0: Hey guys, welcome to the Launch and Scale podcast. I'm Kirsten Ross and this podcast we talk about best practices when it comes to launching and scaling your physical product brand online. Whether you're doing Kickstarter or even launching your own brand online, we help you with best foundational practices and conversations around helping you build a brand that you can sell or at basic support your lifestyle so that you can quit your nine to five and live life on your terms Super excited, you can dive into more resources and previous episodes at Kirsten.com.
1: Today's topic, if you have not been following, recap, is we are talking about how to use Kickstarter with product development. Um, Kickstarter is, um, in Indiegogo really have been around for a decade now, and it has been the first thought that comes to mind with someone is, oh, I can use Kickstarter to test a new product idea. So today we're going to be talking about um, how to use Kickstarter for product development and is it even a good idea? And if you are going to do it, what is the best route to action for a product when you are just in the prototyping stages or even maybe before at the idea phase? So we're actually going to go through um, kind of a bit of a, a history of how Indiegogo and Kickstarter have really changed over time with how it's primarily started as a validation and testing grounds for new products into a bit more of a marketing e-commerce channel, despite the platform's best efforts. So if you're wondering whether this is a value to you, it'll be a value to you if you are one of two people, you are a current e-commerce entrepreneur, maybe selling on Amazon or white labeling products or like private label, um and you're looking at getting into your own brand and developing proprietary products that you design from the ground up. So more like custom build. Um, and it is also relevant to you if you are brand new to the products game and you're looking to build a brand online. Um, and then you know, future selling to Amazon, stuff like that. But this is really talking about product development at its core. And if you've ever thought about Kickstarter, this is gonna answer some good questions for you as to is it the right platform for you. If you're going to use it, when should you use it? So a few things after I've covered that, if you guys have any friends you think should be chiming in, tag them below and also share this video. It helps it be seen by more people Um, and everyone wins. So, and hey, Adama, nice to see you again. Um, And guys, I am currently um, broadcasting sick from Toronto. So let me know where else you're chiming in from, and if you are also sick, just say, like, me too, because it's that season. So my goal today is not to lose my voice, but at least I'm not having, like, a hacking fit like I was a couple of days ago. So first thing I want to cover on today's agenda is physical products. Should you use Kickstarter for product development? So product development, I mean, the stages of designing a prototype of a product before you get to a final stage of actually bringing it to market. So Kickstarter back in um, 2007, 2008, when both Indiegogo and Kickstarter were getting started, it as a platform started out as a really awesome way for creators and entrepreneurs to test ideas. Thanks, Jess. Uh, Yeah, trying to stay warm in Calgary, Um, really started as people pitching ideas. So all you had to do was have this cool idea for an app or an idea for the world's best potato salad recipe, um, which, you know, that was kind of a joke, but it happened. And you would put your idea up on these platforms. And if people around the world liked your idea, they would give you money. And then after the campaign, you would go and try to build the idea or make the idea. Unfortunately, with regulation at the time, the platforms didn't realize that by allowing people on at just the idea phase, a lot of these first-time entrepreneurs didn't actually have um, didn't have experience manufacturing or hadn't priced out prototyping, and so over the next five or six years, a lot of as Kickstarter and Indiegogo got it super popular, super popular, um, people would but, you know, go on, launch an idea, uh, get, raise a bunch of money. Um, and then you have a case like the coolest cooler where, where this cooler raises $13 million with thousands of backers. And unfortunately these backers, um, who, who got this product, um, they kind of got screwed because not only was the cooler, um, massively delayed, um, but actually, no, that, that's it. It was just massively delayed um, because what happened behind the scenes is when you have a first time product creator um, raising that much money, you can imagine the potentially the, the inventory and the molding and the development costs to be significantly under budgeted from what was actually raised. And this kind of became the poster child for crowdfunding problems. So over the last, three, four years um, to recently today, the platforms, Kickstarter and Indiegogo, have actually changed it so that you have to have proof that you are able to deliver a product. This means that you can no longer crowdfund at the idea stage without on Indiegogo disclosing that you're at the idea stage, which frankly, now that backers are very smart, like customers are very smart when it comes to crowdfunding campaigns, um, you are not likely to hit that goal at just the idea phase because you haven't actually put, um, you know, your nose to the grindstone to map out product costs or even get a, a an actual prototype. That's one thing. Kickstarter, um, if you try to submit a project with 3D renderings or without sufficient and adequate proof that your product not only is manufacturable, but actually does what you say it will do they will not allow your campaign on their platform so what does this mean for product development it means that there's a big misconception with what these in what crowdfunding um can be used for it actually should not be used for product development um, it you're in a very healthy spot if you have a nearly final prototype and all you need uh, and you're going to Kickstarter to close the gap on, on market funding, or um, you just, you need uh, that customer base at, at which point after the Kickstarter, those funds will be able to be funneled straight to a manufacturer and deliver that product. So in saying that, um, in saying that, how do you act, how can you actually use Kickstarter for product development? If I'm saying that you cannot kickstart without a a tested prototype. So there's a couple of things to do. I think Kickstarter in product development from a marketing side is super powerful. Ask anyone who's done a successful campaign and they will tell you that what they gained from Kickstarter is not only a customer base for a product that didn't exist before, but they're also gonna tell you that the feedback they got from their product because Kickstarter acts like a community. So when you have a live Kickstarter campaign, you're having people emailing you in questions. You have backers saying, Hey, can I use it for this cool thing? Um, You doing a full scale marketing campaign allows you to do paid ads testing through Facebook and Instagram to get like, to really validate who your customer is. And it's like the data you gain on the product development side is amazing. It's like it's, it's next level and in my opinion, I feel that you need to be using Kickstarter for that level of product development. So on a perfect side, if you have an idea or you're in the development stages, I don't recommend, like if you're, if you're like a year or two away from being able to manufacture your product, it's a little too soon for you, okay? So however, if you are in roughly the final stages of your prototype and you're kind of ready to hit go on manufacturing, Um, Kickstarter could be an amazing playground for you to understand that customer information. Why is that valuable? Well, think if you're doing a Kickstarter launch, you're probably using it to create a brand online. You're using it to start to sell this product or potentially like a suite of products on your website so that you have a brand that you're building up over the years and eventually that's a business you can sell. And it all started off the back of a Kickstarter campaign. So this data is really gonna help you optimize and continue to sell even after Kickstarter. So super, super valuable from a brand development standpoint. Um, Just have to go to my notes here. So yeah, um, in terms of, when to kickstart. So what do you do if, um, okay, so I get this, um, this conversation as well. Sometimes uh, people think that bigger is better. So if you're on my email list at Kirsten.com, um, I sent out uh, kind of a, like a step, uh, features list essentially of what I'm covering today. And one of those topics was smaller is sometimes bigger, better. Who did I say? Why smaller is sometimes bigger? So many people think that they have to do a six figure campaign, seven figure campaign, and that's the best way forward. Um, I actually argue differently because if you are looking at doing a six and seven figure campaign when you look at what goes into a Kickstarter launch, um, that is massive. It's like it's a big marketing and PR play. So you're spending a lot of money on marketing and advertising, unless you have a unicorn product, to be able to stand out on Kickstarter and Indiegogo to then go on and raise six and seven figures. After you raise six or seven figures, um, you're not making a bunch of profit off of your Kickstarter campaign. Because when you think of where that money's going, it's going to cover initial marketing costs you need to have a bit set aside for operating expenses. You need to have that set aside for inventory. So if you actually think of the money that where your Kickstarter campaign goes, it's putting you into, um, essentially a debt position because you have to take that money and Roy, I know you're watching, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but, um, all that, that like hundred thousand dollars is essentially going straight to the manufacturer to be able to cover inventory and everything like that. And the reality is that once you bring version one test, um, version one products to market and you have hundreds of people using them, not to say these products will have problems, but there are definitely there's a reason why there are version two and version three products. So you. I'd actually err on the side of why go big first when you could actually treat Kickstarter as a beta launch and then build on top of that. So I want to talk about this concept of a smaller beta launch that's actually going to put you in a healthier position long-term. So what a beta launch is, is when you have like, um, uh, okay, yeah. So uh, a beta launch is where you essentially focus on doing a smaller campaign and then you build on top of that. So I worked with the products. I'm actually just going to pull it up. Um, I Wanted to give the monk manual a shout out. They're one of my favorite campaigns. Um, the monk manual, what, Stephen did, and they didn't exactly use Kickstarter as a beta launch, but what they did was um, Stephen raised money on Kickstarter to sell close to 2000 of these planners. And what he did before Kickstarter was he, as he was in the development stages, he funded a small manufacturing run, sent out about, I think it was like 300 of these to close friends and family, got product feedback iterated and created the version that he took to kickstarter and then on top of this after that kickstarter campaign they were then in back order for a couple of months that have just you know continued to grow past that but they focused on a smaller kickstarter campaign to um to get the word out build a strong base kind of work out the kinks and then gradually build from there. That is actually, I think, where you're going to find longer-term success because when you have products that incur, and, you know, I'm totally, um, this is, um, I am standardizing this, like, not every campaign is like this, okay? But most campaigns that raise over six figures because they're, um, I don't know, they raise so much money that, it takes a long time to, to get out the products. And if there are any issues with those, um, you know, you have to, you have to wait and do a version two with that. So I just feel like it'll be better to do a smaller launch for you. Not only does it mean smaller marketing spend up front, but also means a more confined launch and you're able to gradually build on your success. Um, As first time creators, you're going to find there are a lot of things you don't know about what you don't know. So, um, I hope that makes sense. Do you guys have any questions about that? Please drop it in the comments. I will be doing a quick q and a after after this. But um, I do believe that smaller campaigns are actually healthier because you don't need to spend twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars to market them to be able to put the base together to have a six and seven figure campaign. And of course, um, some people do have the goal of a six and seven figure campaign, potentially for, um, market validation and to be able to show those numbers to investors. So there is 100% a place for those six and seven-figure campaigns. It's just to the to the average person that I speak to, they have really awesome products, and when they hear me go through, well, you want to do quarter million, you need forty grand to do that, and they're like, I don't have forty thousand dollars, so. Just look, you know, if if you don't need that and you have a cool product like the Monk Manual or something that's not like very cash intensive, like a hardware product, consider doing a smaller campaign.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more like it, as well as free resources, be sure to head over to our website, which is Kirsten.com. It's K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N.com and If you do not want to miss another episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms or catch the video version of this on YouTube. Apart from that, we'll see you next time.